Hey everyone, welcome back to Two Twins and a Mic. This is episode 7. You've got your hosts Sam and Eli here. But we do have a surprise guest on the show. Um, it's my wife, Amani. So it, it was very, very difficult to get her on the show. You know, she's very busy, jet setting around the world, you know, very important appointments. So we've got exclusive access to her interesting and captivating thoughts. So um, I'd like to introduce her in a second. Hi everyone, my name's Amani, I'm an INTJ and I'm from Sydney and I'm Sam's wife. So that's all I have to say for now. Hey everyone, and you have Eli on the other end here. And what a week it's been guys, what a week. Um, so I don't, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's been a pretty, pretty weird week in the sense I felt like I've been in a bit of a funk for the last two weeks and just in this state of um i guess well one i should clarify that i haven't been able to attend my regular training sessions i did injure my my rib i thought i fractured it but i don't think it's fractured i didn't go a doctor pretty much um i don't know why i have this tendency also why i just avoid seeing gps i think because inherently i know deep down that he's going to say take some time off which is ironically anyway what i did but I still attended some like kickboxing sessions. But I think overall, the fact that I wasn't attending my like, well, wasn't committing to my regular routine, it kind of had an impact on just my flow this week. And so yeah, I just found myself in a bit of a, a bit of a mixed rut. Um, did take a day off work, you know, just went out in nature. Like my mate bought a scooter, electric one, which is fun. We just were riding it out. Um, and yeah, I just had brunch and stuff. So like my week was slowly improving. And on top of that, like what really started to, you know, really uplift my week was the fact that Johnny Depp won his case, defamation yeah. case against Amber Turd. I mean, Heard. No, I'm just kidding. That was, that was low blow, but, um, being a bit immature, <laughs> but yeah. And the other thing guys that I also want to talk about or just bring it to your attention is how awesome the movie Top Gun is. Um, that was released, I think, I think this week. I said, I think that's my ethnic coming out. Um, Top Gun, highly recommended to everyone. Really good movie. I only watched the first um, movie like pretty much last week before I watched the Top Gun Maverick. And I don't know. I don't know why I never watched it. It is, it is a really, really good movie. Very feel good. Lots of like very wholesome, very wholesome. It's very rare to find movies like that. Um, lately and i want to also talk about one other movie that i watched recently which i thought was the, like the shit and it's the lake house like god damn <laughs> keanu reeves and i mean sorry i didn't need to be blasphemous um but keanu reeves and sandra bullock like that is a freaking good movie it was made in 2006 is that right amani oh she's gonna check she's fact gonna check. check she's gonna fact check our, our introvert intj <laughs> fact checker um but yeah that is a good movie i don't like i'm not gonna ruin the plot in fact i might get Amani to give you the background on the plot because i actually am not great at recounting um, or giving descriptions of movies so i'm just gonna pass it on to our guest speaker it's me i'm back um so yes the lake house was made in 2006 
And the movie is about a doctor who occupied a lake house. Um, and he begins to exchange some love letters with a formal resident who was an architect. And they start writing back and forth and they can't seem to understand why they've never met. And so in the end, they do meet because their timelines end up matching. And then they fall madly in love and live in the lake house <laughs> I think. <laughs> I've watched this movie about five times. It's actually one of my most favorite uh, romance movies of all time. And it shits on, what's the other one that everyone likes? Notebook. The Notebook. If you watch The Notebook and you're listening to our podcast, please unsubscribe now. I'm just joking. <laughs> I take huge offense to that because full disclosure, I am a Notebook fan and I've probably seen it more times than I would like to admit. I mean... I'm 31 and I'm pretty sure I've watched them more than 31 times. <laughs> For me personally, like I, I did watch The Notebook. Um, well, the one thing that really gets to me is, I, I don't know how it didn't bother a lot of people, was that she was actually engaged and she cheated on her fiancé when she went back to Ryan Gosling. I don't know, what was his name in the movie? Ryan Gosling. Ryan, Ryan Gosling. And, okay, we'll just call him Ryan Gosling for now. But um, I thought that was weird. Like, and, and, look, it was, it's a nice kind of romantic, feel-good film, you know, like, what do you call them? Star-crossed lovers, I would say. Um, not, n- I never really resonated with it myself, but it is, it is an interesting film to watch nevertheless. So, fun fact, we actually uh, had a choice in high school to watch either this movie or uh, The Terminator. And I kept saying to the teacher, oh my God, like, let's watch The Terminator. And she was like, oh, Amani, we can't watch that movie. Like, the majority of girls have to vote. You know, it's like, you know, it's a rainy day. They don't want to be stuck watching this movie. And every single girl in the class, save for me, which is why I'm an INTJ, voted to watch The Notebook. And uh, coldly enough, when I realized that he was repeating the same story to her every single day. I started laughing during the class and saying, oh my God, what a waste of time. In hindsight, I now realize how insensitive and cold it is. Um, but, you know, in that moment, the teacher was like, there is something seriously wrong with you. Why can't you resonate, you know, with the main character? Why can't you reson- resonate with her struggle? And I just kept saying, this is such a waste of time. We should have just watched The Terminator. But in hindsight, you know, when you get older... And you mature a bit, you realize that, you know, despite the fact that the movie is complex and like Sam said, people were, you know, cheating and hiding their indiscretions along the way. Um, You know, the fact that she had dementia and he was sitting there repeating the story every single day is uh, very touching and helped me feel empathy towards, you know, a lot of people who suffer from dementia. And, you know, it's so hard on their loved ones. So I, I do really resonate with that. And apologies to anyone who I may have hurt in the past. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, so what I wanted to say, so it's interesting that Eli, you're saying that you felt like you were in a bit of a funk, but you know, from my perception, you seem to be doing quite well and you seem to be very healthy and, and happy, but obviously, you know, life, you know, we all go through these, um, what do you call it? Ebbs and swings, not ebbs and swings, ebbs and flows, ebbs and swings. <laughs> anyway, ebbs, this is, it's good to have other people here. Ebbs and flows. Um, 
for my from for me personally and you know i'll be very frank and open with everyone here um earlier in the year and before that i, I think my headspace was in a, in a darker place um I, I wouldn't say i was the happiest i wouldn't say i was even you know at my best and in the last couple of months you know i've, I've done a lot of um work on myself healing going through traumas working through those traumas you know introspecting a lot and you know trying to truly go deep enough and understand sometimes why i am the way i am and why do i feel the way that i feel you know and having gone through that process and and you know healed myself and to a large extent i actually have felt the happiest that i've felt in a very long time and only after going through that you know very very exhausting and draining experience and a, a lot of people i don't know if they have i mean most people i mean everyone has the ability but whether or not you're willing to kind of you know really crawl through those like the mud and 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 push yourself to come out on the other side is another thing like you know it requires consistency requires discipline i mean you need to have the people around you somewhat support you on this on this mission um, but I've, I felt really good in the last couple of months, more so in the, la- in the last few weeks. You know, I've, I've drawn boundaries with people where I've needed to draw boundaries. I've um, spoken up more. I'm more authentic with, with, with who I am. And weirdly enough, now that I'm, my, mind, my mind has cleared again, almost to the point like when I was in high school or in my early years of university, I'm no longer distracted by, you know, drama or nonsense basically i like to think of it as nonsense things that don't really matter you know um superficial things and and things that people kind of create out of nothing and i've gone back to the uh, my mind's gone back to the whole like okay i feel good life is good you know i'm I'm going to the gym i'm doing now bjj with my brother and my wife um, we're doing kickboxing you know we're meeting we have a very very healthy social life lots of a lot of friends um we're eating really well you know we're we're moving on with our life and things seem to be good and i'm not i'm not saying like there's anything wrong with that that's just great but now that i'm i'm kind of back on track it's like the question is but what what is it all for like why why are we here what is the purpose of of life and you know my wife and i've been married for um two and a half years and you get the occasional question about you know having kids and again another question that kind of just pops through my head is like wait like okay i understand the expectation is to have kids but why why do we have kids why do why do people need to have kids but beyond that let's just start from the conversation of um like what's the purpose of life why are we here i'll pass it on to eli first yeah just to clarify we're just trying to pass the mic to um amani and (laughs) i think she she's a bit probably nervous it is a heavy question. It is a loaded question. And it's not an easy question to answer because it assumes that you have the answer. And I think most people, I would say 99% of people in life, don't really understand what the real purpose is. Even the Stoics, right? Like the Greek Stoics, where it's Arist- I think Aristotle, you would consider Stoic, right? Um, I can't even remember. Socrates... Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a smart philosopher guy. I'm going to cut it there. 
Seneca, whoever it is. Um, so, like, I think, you know, for them, like, what happened, those philosophers, is, like, they came to this very cynical conclusion around, you know, life is about kind of pain and, like, growth through pain. I don't necessarily resonate with that or agree with that. Um, for me, I think, like, the conclusion or where I'm at in terms of my thinking around what, like, the purpose of life is, I, I really believe it's about just being a good human being. You know, I I want to live my life in a way which is truly aligned with who I am, right? So I don't want to pretend that I'm I'm somebody who I'm not. Like, I think there was a part of my life when I was younger, definitely in my early 20s to, well, my whole 20s, let's be honest, um, where I try to fit into this corporate culture, put on a suit, um, you know, like, uh, you know, participate in the activities that I thought society deemed to be, this is what makes you successful. And that made me realize I was, for a long time, because I always had imposter syndrome and I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't put my finger down. Like, why do I feel like I'm an imposter at work? Like, but I thought I'm I'm the business guy. Like, I'm a suit guy. I'm, I'm But that wasn't me. Like, there was a big part of me which is like, no, you're not. And so um, definitely living my life Really like coming to the conclusion that I need to live my life in alignment is a big component in terms of your purpose in life. And that means that there's a journey that you have to go through to reach to that conclusion. And that's one of the purposes, you know, that you, you come, uh, well, one of the reasons, um, I guess, for living is to go through that trial, tribulation, or let's call it trial by fire, to come to that conclusion. Because you think as a young person that you have all the answers and that you figured yourself out. And then like you have tower moment after tower moment and you get literally like, get, like you get broken down. You realize, oh, I still have, don't have things figured out yet. But initially, I, I think I took those tower moments personally. And then I came to the conclusion, oh, no, 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 there's, there's a learning lesson in, in all of this. That's a really interesting point. And just on that, uh, when you were talking about you know, life and the corporate, you know, kind of grind and all of that. And, you know, that being your life for so long, I really resonate with that. And, you know, when I was like my parents, a back, bit of background. So my parents are divorced. They got divorced when I was seven. And at that time, I had to play a parent role to my sister who was five. And when I was nine, I was looking out of a window at my grandparents' house. And I said to myself, my only way out for a better life is education. That's my only way to like true freedom. And so I said, if I study really, really hard and I go to a really good university and I get a really good job, I have the entire world open to me and I can escape from my reality. Fast forward to uni, I tried really, really hard. I studied really hard. I gave up any you know social life that I had, which is a bit weird to say because I am heavily introverted and don't really have a social life. But, you know, you see your friends or, you know, people on the bus going to uni and, you know, their, their motto was P's equals degrees. And my motto was, no, but I really have to get a HD in everything that I do. I really have to excel because when I'm in that hall graduating, I need to be better. I have to compete because this world is, you know, scary and it's competitive and I have to come out on top. Well, I graduated with a very good score. I graduated with a distinction average. And I sat on my couch unemployed for eight months. Meanwhile, uh, people who I would laugh at and ridicule for getting peas uh, excelled in the world before I did. 
got jobs using their connections, got jobs using their interpersonal skills, which I fundamentally lacked at that point in time. And I sat there wondering to myself, what was it all for? I gave everything up, you know, and here I am, a failure on a couch, you know, watching Oprah every day, you know, watching Neighbours at 6, you know, 6.30 after the news, you know. Like I, like I gave a shit about the petrol prices, right? <laughs> I didn't. And, you know, and then I ended up landing a job. It was not a pleasant job. I worked for free for about a year as a full lawyer. I actually worked for free, which is illegal. But anyway, um, and, you know, I was wearing the corporate skirts. I wore the corporate blouses. And I ended up, uh, you know, in a, in a previous job where I would say I was uh, severely undervalued. And I thought to myself, here I am killing myself for this job day in, day out. And I'm underpaid and undervalued. And I didn't know my worth. I thought that if I work really hard, if I work harder, if I work, you know, longer hours, I'll be recognized. And it wasn't until, you know, my husband really like, you know, pushed me into gear and said, look, you have one week to apply for jobs. That's And we were just dating at the time. We weren't even engaged. And he said, you have a week to apply for different jobs and you have a week to let me know what the outcome is. And lo and behold, I got an interview at a very good law firm and one that was always my dream law firm for a very, very long time. And I got an interview and I was so nervous going into that interview that I actually said to Sam, I don't want to go. I don't, I, I, I don't belong in this world. I don't belong in this big cushy like job in this corporate world. I just belong in this boutique firm where I'm working, getting shit pay, you know, and that's pretty much it. And I went into that interview crapping myself, not literally, I'm not Amber Hood. Anyway, and, and I ended up in this interview room and I literally took the piss out of that interview because I was like, I'm not going to get this anyway. Let me just be whatever version of me that I want to be, right? And whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. Well, funnily enough, I got a call the very next day and, you know, the um, HR lady saying, they liked you so much. They want you to come in for a second interview um, in the next few days. Can you can you come in? And I said, what the hell? Like, really? That's so weird. And I did. I went I went in and I interviewed and I got the job. And and on that point of, you know, uh, you're talking about um, what was that thing called? Sorry, imposter syndrome. I was going to say Stockholm syndrome, but <laughs> pretty <laughs> much, pretty, pretty much. It's like, I love my job. I love my job. <laughs> but um, yeah, like imposter syndrome. Like, And it's been, you know, two and a half years that I've been in my job. And, you know, I, I feel like an imposter every single day. And I thought that if I, you know, wore the, you know, work dress and if I wore the work heels and if I just looked a certain way and I played a certain part that I'd, um, uh, you know, eventually fit in. And yet every day I go to work going, oh my God, like I'm lying to myself again. I'm lying to myself again. My colleagues are better. They're smarter. They're harder working. You know, they deserve this. I don't. Time for pay rises comes around. Are you happy with this? Oh, yes, I am. But deep down, I'm broken. I'm shattered. Maybe if I just try harder, maybe if I try harder. And then the lockdown came. And weirdly enough, it's actually a blessing because I realized that here I am waking up at 8.50, right before my job starts at nine, rolling out of bed with morning breath and my husband's pajamas on, logging on to work and realizing that it doesn't really matter what you look like going into work, you know? It doesn't even matter what, you know, your 
like your day looks like it doesn't matter what time you get to work it doesn't matter what impression you're making at work right no one really cares no one gives a shit the only person that ever cared is you right but whether you're at work or not at work or whether you drop dead or you don't drop dead right the only person that that matters to is you and the way i thought about it was okay the lockdown's over we're going back into work and do i really want to wear my corporate dress to work I don't feel comfortable in it. I'm trying to fall into this weird, like, shitty corporate frame where if I just wear grey and black and a, you know, a blazer for work, you know, I fit in. But it's bullshit. Like, I'm basically stripping any soul out of who I am, my individuality, my creativity, right? What makes me truly happy to try and fit into this cookie-cutter, you know, environment? But I, I don't fit into that. And maybe the problem isn't me. Maybe the problem is... The corporate world that's been created you know and um but um yeah and then so just just on that point um i like you know has the imposter syndrome gone no like and I, you know i have a i have a life coach and i said to the life coach you know every day that i go into work i feel like is this what it's all for like you do this every single day until you hit 70 maybe 75 and then, you know, they give you a nice, you know, payout at the end. Thank you so much for your long service. And then you're like, oh, I can finally go to Italy now and enjoy, you know, the Spanish steps, you know. But you've you got a you've got a freaking hip replacement and you can't even climb the Spanish steps. And your eyes are like effed up, you know. You've got cataracts in your left eye, it's twitching. You can't even see your surroundings. And you're like, did I waste the best years of my life? for somebody else is this what my life is for and i'm just going to pass the mic on to sam but i actually saw this on an intj page it's actually a quote and the quote is i want a soft life i want ease i want relaxation i do not want to hustle i do not want to grind grinding wears you down to brittle nothingness i do not want to work my life away i want enjoyment and rest not as rewards but but as practice my life will be a practice of joy and I think that that really resonates with me personally. And I think, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Why do we grind so much? What's it all for? I'm just going to pass on to Sam now. No, I really, really like that. Um, that's a very interesting kind of quote. And guys, I just want to clarify so that people don't think I'm like some control freak. When I, when I gave Manny the, um, the ultimatum, you have a week to find a new job just some context so amani had kind of been talking about like she wasn't happy with where she was at the time um and she kind of outgrew the place you know she 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 did her time i mean she learned a fair bit of um a fair bit in that particular role and then she naturally outgrew it and you know for about a year and we weren't married at the time i just heard her complain about it again and again and again and again and, you know, I'd give my, my advice every now and then. I'm like, okay, maybe you should look somewhere else. Maybe you should look somewhere else. But there came a point in time where I was like, okay, that's enough. You know, like you've had a year and you didn't really take any action. And it's not to say that a man is like this. A lot of us are like this. Sometimes it's easier to just complain about things than rather, rather than actually take action. But um, so just some context. So she... Sometimes you, when you complain. Yeah. Just quickly want to jump in. Sometimes when a person complains, it actually makes you feel like you're doing something. Exactly. And um, but good on her. And you know, she she took action. And she, you know, I said you have a week. All I did was literally create a deadline, and she ended up getting three offers within that week. 
But it's interesting, I think, hearing both Eli and, and Amani speak. Because when I first started the conversation by saying, you know, like, what is the purpose of life? You both naturally gravitated towards work, you know. And that's, 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 fun, that's the funny thing, right? How many of us define our existence, our self-worth, or, or why we're here by our jobs? It definitely seems like our identity and our purpose is somehow tied to what we do. For a living, you know, when you meet someone for the first time, and you know, you, you what, what are the questions you would ask them? You know, um, you know, what's your name, and like, what do you do? It's a very strange thing. The second question after identifying that person by their name, you're asking them, what do you do? You don't really ask them, like, you know, what do you, what do you enjoy? What do you believe what in? Hobbies? What are your hobbies? You know, uh, what what is what is you know is something that means who are you basically who are you, how you spend your time. yeah how you spend your time rather people say i'm an engineer i'm a teacher i'm a lawyer i'm a you know athlete. an athlete i am a firefighter i'm a policeman so what what's interesting is we're all kind of defining our existence at least not all of us but a good majority of us are defining our existence through our jobs because once upon a time, I think if if you if you go back really far in time, people were definitely more spiritual. I feel like when I say spiritual, like Eli was talking about earlier at the beginning, you know, he's mentioning Socrates, Seneca, and all of those. And you know, we're just focusing on the Greek philosophers, but there's beyond you know the Greeks and the Europeans. You had a lot of um, a lot of deep thinkers, even the Buddha himself. Um, you know, in Islam, we had the Prophet Muhammad, and beyond that, we had scholars like Al Ghazali and all of this stuff, and all these other um, notable members of society that really thought extremely. Rumi, including like Rumi, was a really deep thinker that really tried to understand the purpose of human existence. You know, because I don't, I don't, I honestly don't think we were brought into this world purely for the uh, purely to basically, you know find a particular job and kind of just work ourselves as many pointed out to death with a few kind of goals and objectives towards the end of our life um, and what I really wanted to point out was you know there's a lot of different a lot of interesting and different philosophies out there um, that that kind of challenged the 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 kind of prevailing view which is I think a very capitalist view because for me capitalism is a very secular concept and it's completely stripped all elements of spirituality, belief, and faith, and turns every human being into basically um, a, a, like a like a, an input in in a machine or like a cog in a machine. So, say for example, from the eight from the time you're born, right? The, the first objective is by the time you're four or five years old, you're going to go to a school, and then you know you you live out. Um, up until the age of 18 you know they're educating you and telling you what you need to know in order to get into a, a job to right be a to be a good worker right to follow the rules kind of the whole standardization you know you don't want to stand out too much these are the rules this is how you have to think this is how you have to behave right this is what you wear when you're in corporate this is what you wear they if you're a trader. They, they completely destroy any sense of individuality and then what they say basically to the individual is then now go out to the world and for the next 50 years work yourself to death in a very highly specialized role right there's not a lot of variation in what you do it's this whole factory kind of model right you work nine to five because they're measuring your productivity based on your 
um, units of production or in, in this or output if you're on the services industry funnily enough just on that point about us you know being forced to fit into a certain you know mold we're all the same we're all doing the same thing day in day out we're all dressed a certain way we all speak a certain way we all send out emails with d john kind regards and you know we have to adopt a similar writing style because you know a partner might not be happy with the way that you're wording a certain email because that doesn't really fit into our branding you know you have to word it like this and so effectively you're being molded day in day out to become more of john you know from partnership or more of Sandra from partnership, you know, rather than you with your own style, with your own individuality, with your with your own thoughts, right? And you know, I'm my my uh, you know my my key thing is to be a critical thinker. That's one of my best attributes. And when you go into work, it's like you can't have your own thoughts. You have to have my thoughts. You have to have my strategy. It's like, but what if I think your strategy is crap? You know. But I think just on your point about us all falling within a certain, you know, kind of mold, just go on a train during peak hour and get off the train and walk up the steps and try and tap out of the, the gates and walk to work. And you will see that every single person is walking in the same direction at the same pace, either looking at their phone mindlessly or with their earphones in trying to block the world out or, you know, walking aggressively or whatever and no one on the train smiling on the way to work no one's smiling when they're grabbing their coffee they're just like f this another day another dollar right but you know i try you know what i've done in the past is i've just stood there while everyone kind of like walked past and i turned around and i walked in the opposite direction and it was literally like a salmon swimming against a stream and it was so scary i'll pass on to eli it's um it's really funny that you should say that so for a good part of my um my working life especially pre-covid days i have this tendency like when i am you know um so when you're catching the train in rush hour and you know how in sydney australia you have to tap on and tap off your card as as you exit the train station i didn't know manny does this because i do something very similar and then back in the days when i was really not enjoying um, my job like I love my job now I'm in a really good space because this is what I wanted but what I was what I would do is I think there was just such a there's a part of me back then that was so let's just say upset and I'm, I'm sure there was a I felt pretty much I'm pretty sure I felt anger and resentment also but what I would do is I would actually step to the side and wait for everyone to go through the the gates because I was just like I am not going to just be herded. herded into the gates. I'm not like you guys. Like, I'm not rushing to anything, you know? Like, because um, I always had in the back of my mind that I felt sometimes like an outsider, right? Like, th at face value, most people would look at me and think, like, no, you seem to conform very well into society. You know, you're a likable guy, etc. And, you know, there's, like, I agree with that point of view. But there was this part of me that always felt like an outsider in the sense like, this doesn't resonate with me. Like this like makes me feel sick seeing you guys like just like mindlessly walking through the barriers, tapping on, tapping off. Like, and there's always like a bottleneck and it's just like you see aggressive people like wanting to suddenly like quickly tap on and tap off and you know, cutting the line and everything. And I would just sit down and watch and like, what's like, what's the rush? Where are you going to? Like, you know, you're going to miss out on your, you know, like you said, Amani. 
the you know, six is it six o'clock news and learning about the petrol prices, the weather you know the next day, or is it like the next reality TV show that you're gonna watch? Like, what do you like? Be nice to your your you know the individual next to you because like that's what like life is about. It's about like that social bond, that social contract. You know, treating each other well. Like, it's fun. Like, I just thought it's really funny that you're saying that you would swim against the crowd because I would just to repeat it. Like, would step outside and just watch. Like. I'm literally, it's a science experiment. I'm just like looking at the world and like WTF, like what is all of this? Like what? And just, yeah, just bringing it back to like the purpose of life. Like I think I would just sit there and like contemplate. I'm like, this can't be it. Like this, this can't be it. Like, and then we're going to do this tomorrow again and again. And these guys, like they're just not like no one's stepping outside no one's like why is that guy standing outside just watching us you know like maybe he's a weirdo like you know why is he why is he um yeah like i and it's funny because i never like i think i have enough self-confidence i didn't even really care because i always saw it as just like no you guys are the crazy guys like you can't see you're stuck in this matrix and i never understood i never understood also why i appreciated the movie the matrix by the way because when i was young i thought like what the f- this movie is like weird i don't get anything about it and then when i started to work in the corporate culture maybe that's why some people who are not in the corporate world don't also understand the matrix but you're just like holy like this movie like i get it now i get like what they were trying to talk about we're so plugged into the system that we lack any sense of self-awareness self-consciousness you know we're just like we're just yeah eat sleeping you know like yeah let's literally rinsing repeating you know like okay so what are we doing we're just going to hang out with our friends in the weekend uh, we're going to buy some ikea furniture i think that was fight club you know and like because fight club is also a very like interesting movie and yeah it, it's just funny because all those movies are about also like challenging the status quo like the person who finally just woke up you know had a spiritual awakening you know re- reached the point of consciousness and just like no, like this system is effed, you know. Um, yeah, I'm just going to pass on the mic to Amani here. So just on that point, there's actually um, a really interesting quote that I recently saw, which is, how much did they pay you to give up on your dreams? And when we think of, you know, philosophers from the past, they didn't have corporate jobs. They weren't running to a nine to five with a, uh, as you know, as kind as it seems, a one hour lunch break, you know, eating the same shit day in, day out. Do you want a sandwich today or do you want sushi today or do you want a soup? Because they are three options on repeat for the next 50 years, you know, and unless you change jobs, in which case you have a different food court with the same options, more or less, but it's a different environment with a different quality higher quality sushi. Exactly. And when you think of, you know, philosophers, they weren't running to a certain job. They weren't, you know, falling into this frame of, you know, this weird corporate environment. And realistically, the corporate world or this weird factory environment only really started during the Industrial Revolution. Before that, we weren't doing this. So this way of life is fairly new, I would say. It's not a it's not a old old way of thinking, right? And when you think about it, when we think of, you know, the geniuses of, of our of our time, you know, of like, you know, the history in history, you know, you've got Socrates, or as, as you guys were saying, there are so many Islamic, you know, philosophers or scientists or, or you know, engineers or whatever it might be, or, you know, uh, the forefathers of medicine, you know, they were all geniuses in their own right. And you think about it now, do we really have the time 
to venture into our own thoughts, into our own dreams. We don't because we're assisting someone else realize their dreams. We're assisting someone else in realizing their full potential while we get a shitty paycheck at the end of the month. You know, meanwhile, we're coming back home burnt out, tired. You know, employees are asking us for more, 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 more. But at what cost? You come back, you don't have time for your spouse. You don't have time for your children. You're mindlessly watching TV day in, day out. You're not feeding your mind. You're not benefiting yourself in any way. You're like, you know, you've given up on your spirituality. You're effectively a shell of a person. You know, you're the body, but there's nothing there. And, you know, in, one, one of my most favorite quotes of all time is actually from Blade Runner. I love that movie. And he says, so there's a doctor, you know, you've got uh, Tyrrell and you've got Roy Batty, which is one of the um, replicants that Tyrrell created. And Tyrrell says, would you like to be upgraded? And Roy Batty says, I had in mind something a little bit more radical. And Tyrrell says, well, what seems to be the problem? And Roy Batty says, death. And so it's not about being upgraded. It's not about any of that. It's not about, life isn't about trying to be more. It's about, you know, we're so scared of the end, right? We're so scared of not having enough time to do all the things we wanted to do before we died. It's not about being more in our jobs, right? It's about being more of who we want to be before we die. And we're all running against time. Um, I, it's a very interesting point of view in terms of the quote and just your general point of view. But I just wanted to say that for me, it's not a fear of death. For me, it's a fear of n like having lived a life which wasn't mine. Like that's my greatest fear. Yeah, it's just like I, I don't want to know like it ended and I was just not like happy. And I, as I said at the start of this podcast, not happy for me is not being who I am. Yeah, you know, like you, you guys actually made me just kind of go into a very deep thought process right now. Again, it part of this conversation, I mean, part of me is really excited by this conversation. And then the other part of me is a bit haunted by the conversation. And that's why I think at the beginning, Eli was like, it is a very heavy topic. And for me, I, I mean, again, just hearing you guys speak, I think to myself, you know, we've all been sold this lie, right? From a very early point in our lives. Um, and the question is, you know wh why have we be s been sold this lie right and for what purposes are we doing what we what we do and my greatest fear is you know a lot of people kind of don't really go deep enough and think to themselves why am i here why am i doing what i'm what i'm doing you know is there a purpose behind what i'm doing or am i doing this because everyone else around me is doing it and the people before them were doing it right so what at some point, you, it's almost a, I mean, there's a level of insanity behind this. I laugh because I recently saw this um, interesting science experiment that was um, done about the monkeys. I don't know if you know it. So, look, I don't know the full details because, again, full disclosure, I saw it on TikTok. So, <laughs> I'm not some, some profound individual that has all this knowledge in the back of my mind. Okay, it's from TikTok. Um, so in the experiment, maybe Amani can do some uh, quick research for us. <laughs> fact check. But in terms of the experiment, so what they did was they had a number of monkeys and they put a ladder in the cage where the monkeys um, were basically, you know, uh, you know what do you, what's the word? Where the monkeys were placed, right? 
And on top of this ladder, there is um, bananas hanging at, hanging at the top. And so in terms of this, the science experiment, every time one of the monkeys went up the ladder to grab a banana, the, um, the researchers would douse the monkeys with water. And um, I think it was cold water so that they would react in a negative way. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, like this, this sucks. I'm wet. It's cold water, etc. And so eventually over time, every time a monkey went up the ladder and tried to like grab the bananas, they would douse the monkeys in bananas. And what would happen every time is then the other monkeys, when they saw one of the monkeys going up to grab a banana, they started to make that association that the, um, it's a, a negative consequence is about to happen. So we'll beat up the monkey that's going up the, up the ladder before he reaches the banana so we don't get doused with um, cold water. And so then what ha happens interestingly is, um, so then all the monkeys in that cage stopped uh, climbing the ladder to grab the bananas because you know they didn't want to get beat up by the other monkeys, right? And so <laughs> what then the researchers do is they take one of the monkeys out, they replace him with a new monkey who's not aware about like this, this conditioning here, like you know, going up a ladder means you get the other monkeys get doused with rain or you, and the other, that monkey gets beaten up. So the new monkey comes into the cage, goes up the ladder, tries to grab the banana, uh, is, is about to try to grab the banana, but then he gets beaten up by the other monkeys before he can. And he obviously doesn't like understand why, like because the cold water hasn't come yet, but the other monkeys had now been conditioned to just beat him up. And so eventually the researchers over time replace each of the monkeys with new monkeys. And what happens, each monkey doesn't understand why they can't climb up the ladder and grab the banana. The new monkey, yeah. And so, but they end up repeating the same pattern, which is whenever they see a monkey going up the ladder, they just beat him up. So eventually all, what you have is a bunch of new monkeys in the, in the cage who anytime a monkey tries to climb up, they, they basically just beat that monkey up. And they didn't even know why. They, they didn't even know at that point that, you know, anymore that cold water, so they've just been conditioned. And it's like, if you were to take one of the monkeys and ask them, so why, why can't you climb up that ladder? They're like, well, I don't know. Like, that's just how things are. That's how, like, that's how they've always been. Like, you know, I've just seen the other monkeys do it. So I don't do it. And that's kind of like society. Yeah, I agree. And I was just going to add before I pass it on to Amani, you know, there's a, there's a, it's, it's weird because now like all I see around me is there's a, there's a fair few people out there that are truly afraid to really look deep into their existence because for some reason, right, society has said spirituality in, in, in like the realest sense. I'm not talking about like you know, singing bowls and chanting mantras and all that stuff. I'm talking about like real deep, you know, spirituality, the belief of something beyond ourselves, right? Because currently the, the prevailing view, and I'm not saying, but definitely the, the prevailing view in the West is we just exist because we exist. And there's no real purpose as to why we exist. We're just here. And you have to accept that and you have to kind of play along. Which for me is a very shocking view because, you know, the Western world has some of the highest rates of development, if not the highest rates of development, sorry. You know, we've got access to water at any point in time. We've got clean water, you know, um, shelter, food, an abundance of food, you know, an abundance of resources, healthcare, um, electricity, 
everything that you can imagine, particularly now, this point in time in history, we have it probably the best it's ever been, you know. And yet, when you compare the West with the East, the rates of depression, the rates of dissatisfaction, the rates of unhappiness, the it's so it's so incredibly high and not only like a good measure for me is you know if 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 these societies that have pushed away any form of religion or spiritual deep spirituality um are truly as happy as they say they are like how, why do they have some of the highest rates of drug use in the world that i don't understand like a person is truly happy does not need an artificial stimulant or depressant, yeah, depressant, to kind of continue with their own existence. When when you're saying to, to the the East, you're like the Eastern world, or the the more let's let's say the, the developing world, who, who tend to be more spiritual because the the view is poor people rely on religion or religions for the poor because you know they need that that some that hope you know something to look because by the time by the time a lot of people become wealthy or they have really enriched themselves for them the existence of god or a higher power doesn't exist it's dead because you know what i've got everything that i wanted in the material sense right and that's all that matters and anyone else is, an, is a moron for believing in some spiritual higher being because you're you're only relying on this higher being or high purpose or you think there's an afterlife because your life is so shit right now that you have to believe in this um i'm gonna pass it on to manny <laughs> So it's an interesting point because I think a lot of the way people talk, it's like, oh, you believe in religion. Like, oh, you're, you're a Muslim. That's, oh, you know, you guys, it's very different to, you know, other religions. I'm like, you do realize that Islam is a uh, monotheist religion. We are pretty much uh, cousins of Jews. We have the same beliefs. All three religions are pretty much more or less the same, you know, fundamentally the same. So what's the difference? Oh, this strange Islamic belief, you know, they, they like so, you know, scared from it. Like there's like a deep, violent rejection. Well, I, I suppose, like I've had people go, oh, you're a Muslim, you don't look Muslim. And I'm like, what does a Muslim look like? You know, oh, but you're not like the other Muslims. I'm like, what are other Muslims like? There are 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. Have you met every Muslim? How have you came up, come up with your conclusion? But <clears throat> they say, oh, like you believe in God. Like how, how strange. And I'm like, but you believe in like what evolution, the Big Bang? Yeah, like we're just here because we're here. And I'm like, so you honestly think that you are so important that you are here because you're here. You don't believe in anything else. You think that this mountain just decided to, you know, come about. This ocean just decided to like create itself. You know, your eye, like if we're so advanced, right? Can you create an artificial eye? No, I can't create an artificial eye. Can you create, like Sadhguru said, you know, he said like, um, Sadhguru had an interesting point. He said, he's, he's Hindu. Sadhguru is a Hindu, he's, a, he's actually a mystic um, from India. And he is an ENFP. And he is, is he a Virgo? He's, Virgo he's a Virgo with a Capricorn moon. So just exactly the same as Sam and Eli. But interestingly enough, like Sadhguru had a podcast where he was talking about soil and how, you know, soil has degraded so much over the course of time and he actually made um, a joke on the Joe Rogan podcast and he said 
oh, you know, three men had an appointment with God and they said, oh, you know, we um, created like this plant. And God's like, oh, that's very, very good. And then they're like, oh, look at this person. We created this person. And God was like, wow, I'm really impressed. And then God was like, did you create the soil? And they were like, oh, he's like, can you create soil? Oh, can't, can't create soil. Because there are some things that are beyond what we can fathom as humans. And it's like, in, in just in the same way that they might think that, oh, you believing in religion is so wild. It's so out there. It's so fanciful. And yet you believing in the Big Bang and that nothing existed is also just as fanciful. It's not any less fanciful. It's, it's exactly the same, right? And on that point, because I'm really like into astronomy, like I'm an astronomy nut actually, um, there's an interesting, there's, there are studies now and in, in Eastern belief, they say that humans are actually a microcosm of the universe. And in Taoism, <coughs> what they say is that the energy that makes up the universe is the same energy that forms part of us. And what scientists have recently discovered is that the brain cell, like the way in which the neurons are form, you know, formed and connected in the brain, looks very much like the energy that makes up the universe. The DNA is very much like the double helix nebula in the universe. The eye, the way in which the eye looks, you know, our iris, looks very much like the helix nebula in the universe. And so when we think of you know, us as individuals and what the purpose of life is, maybe there's more to life than... Are these scientists that are saying that? Yeah, it's scientists. And <clears throat> what I find, it's like, if you want to know what the purpose of life is, right? This is what I've done. We went to Oman for our honeymoon, one of the destinations. And you know, you really like, you're like, you're in this corporate grind. You're like always running, running for something, running for another dollar. And you realize, when you're on the edge of a huge mountain, looking down over rice fields and vegetable fields and whatever else, I am so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Like I am a person standing on a huge ass mountain among millions of mountains around the world, among millions of other like, you know, organisms that exist. And then zoom out of that, then there's the whole world then zoom out of that, there are all these planets, zoom out of that, there's the Milky Way, zoom out of that, there's the universe. And you think to yourself, people are so shallow in a way to think that this is the meaning of life. But you haven't even looked beyond your backyard, you haven't looked within yourself. There's a reason why we can, like, when you're talking about antidepressants, right? This world that we live in, the way that it's currently designed, it's not designed for how humans are meant to be. Right? If we form part of the universe, if it's within us, right, there's a reason why, for example, antidepressants do not, for the majority of people, work. Right? There is, there's, a there's a reason why Japanese people practice forest bathing you know, and they connect with nature. There's a reason why you have to step barefoot on grass to ground yourself. But we're so used to living in this weird Western world where we have to wear shoes when we go out. You know, it's... Yeah, and I'm not not like so for me personally. I'm not saying like it's east versus west, you know, because at one point the west was very spiritual in itself, and what we're saying is when capitalism came into the equation, right? All that capitalism looked at was productivity. It looked at you know the bottom line. It looked at you know how can we grow these economies. It was just focused on production and consumption, 
and that's what really i think really in, in many you mentioning earlier so it's like you go back maybe 150 years you had the industrial revolution and then from that point on you know we had that whole capitalism um and then you've had these other isms that were trying to challenge it because it's saying look did capitalism do a lot of good it, it did but what capitalism also did was it said forget everything else right don't worry about you know your 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 like your neighbor and all that everyone's a comp- competitor it's all about you earning the most money producing the most goods right so, yeah like you it's just very very much focused on the material world yeah i'm just gonna step in like i can't remember the name of the book but there's an interesting book that talks about this stuff and like what came to my mind is in terms of like capitalism and how it emphasized productivity so you know those those moments in life where you're just like i really don't want to do anything i'm just so exhausted i'm so tired i just want to sit down on the couch maybe yeah i want to watch some tv maybe i just want to stare at my fish maybe i want to stare at a fireplace i don't know whatever like floats your boat but then there's a part of you a voice inside that says you're being like that judges you for it that criticizes you like you're being lazy you should be doing more you know you should i don't know like be making your own business you know <laughs> what, what is all that stuff that we see the ads on youtube like forward shipping and yeah. foreign exchange and crypto and forex <laughs> or like you know you should have your own bit like you're 19 you should have your own business whatever it is and then you know on the news you read like all these articles about these young guns who you know well yeah they've got multiple properties or they've like start up their own business and it's just like that's like what capitalism is trying to promote like it's like this very unhealthy idea that you know you shouldn't have like have any time to yourself self-care right it's like no you're being actually lazy by taking taking time to yourself and so then what happens is you you enter this state of neurosis because you're just like not giving yourself enough downtime you know because you're feeling this 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 association that you're you're a lazy person, you know, you haven't you don't have ten properties to your name, you know, your bank account isn't bloody ten million dollars, whatever it is, right? So like that's an unhealthy consequence of capitalism. And then the other thing, the other point I just want to make is like in every religion, um, and again, this is not about religion versus secularism, etc. But what I'm just trying to emphasize is the Buddha said it, right, in terms of the, the root of all pain and suffering is attachment. And in, in this capitalist society, what they have us attached to is materialism, right? So, for example, your house. Your house. I, just, I just want to quickly get into something which is like you get into a car accident, God forbid, right? So, like, what's the first thing that comes to you, your mind normally? It's not really, am I safe, right? I mean, I'm just talking about the broken society that we live in today. But I think there's a part of you that comes to you has like, oh crap, do I have insurance? You know, am I going to be able to cover it? Is he liable? Is he or she liable? Right? It's like I'm I'm so worried about my possessions, you know, and I'm I'm going to be upset if I can't fix my car, or I'm upset that my car is damaged, or maybe there's a hailstorm and my house is destroyed. Let's just take insurance out of the equation. You'd be upset about it, right? If it was destroyed, you lost something. You lost your phone. You lost your laptop. Like how many times has have we misplaced our phones? And you freak out, right? You're like, oh my God, where's my phone? My $1,200 phone, right? And you're going to get upset over um, a material item. Then you, you could die the next day, right? And it's just like, but the previous day you had this whole, like you've wasted the whole day being upset about your, your phone, right? Um, yeah, so, so, and I think it's, it wasn't just basically Eastern philosophy, the Buddha that said, you know, the root of all 
suffering uh, is attachment like especially to the material world not not the spiritual world right because from what i remember also the buddha was a prince so he had he had everything he had all the worldly possessions that he could ever want you know but in the end like it wasn't enough like he was the most happy once he was just under a tree you know giving to others meditating etc but um like you also see in the other religions like you know they like what what is it that judaism islam christianity like gives to to humanity right it's just like don't focus so much on the material world right focus on on your soul feed your soul like in, in in islam you have to pray five times a day like what is the idea behind that the intention it's like ground yourself take a moment to yourself right recalibrate like just pause you know from society like basically it's about when you're praying it's also showing grace and gratitude to for everything that you have towards god you know and you have it also in the in the other in the other face right so in christianity you go to church on sunday you know like you say grace um you know before you eat like there was a lot of gratitude buddhism right meditation. buddhism meditation you know but like again like you said like this whole spirituality which by association you have all these other uh, uh, you know concepts attached to it, which is like gratitude was stripped away and now what we call like you know being mindful and showing gratitude is just like part of this whole well not manifesting but it's like it's they've stripped it out of religion they've sterilized it and said and secularized it and said okay so if you're feeling anxiety and stress let's do some deep breathing exercises (laughs) which is meditation which is an eastern philosophy you know it is it's like it's it's buddhism it's hinduism you know um yeah it's just it's 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 very very interesting I just want to quickly add before I pass it on to Amani, you know, like you can see how, how far also like we've come from our true nature because like, again, capitalism is about almost like quantifying everything, quantifying your time, quantifying your needs, quantify, like everything's quantified, like to the extent when you kind of read the news and this is where, and, and, and this might be somewhat um, inappropriate, but I think it's worth sharing where they go, like you see articles, are you having enough sex with your partner? You should be having sex you know, three times a week, four times a week. How do you, what, how do you even quantify that? You're supposed to basically say, are you connected to your partner? Is there a deep love? Is there a yeah, deep empathy? These are spiritual things. Like, are you connected? Are you one with each other, right? Because in the in the kind of this secular mindset, right? Sex is a means to an end. I've got an itch to scratch. It's no different, no, and I, excuse my language, it's no different to basically wanting to take a piss now or, or go and defecate. You know, it's like saying, I all of a sudden have this need, you know, so I know that I have to release it. That's why you see the rise of things such as pornography, right? It's a very, very secular thing. Pornography is, again, it kind of ties into this like the modern capitalist world where everything can be outsourced, right? You know, too busy to have sex or connect with your partner? Don't worry. Do you have five minutes in a moisturizer bottle? You know, go on Pornhub. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand it. How people think this is normal when people are saying, even in this modern age, like masturbation is perfectly healthy. No, it isn't. There is nothing healthy about it. I partially disagree. <laughs> Only because sometimes, you know, like we're, we're all humans, right? Humans have a natural instinct, you know, unless you're asexual, you know, which is which is different. But, you know, a lot of which is perfectly fine like if you are or you're not like there's no judgment you know like it's perfectly okay we accept everyone but it's just people have a need right whatever it might be 
you get to a certain it was actually interesting because the other day we were watching my favorite show on tv is love on the spectrum and it's about um autistic people who are trying to find love and then i said to sam i said to him um i find it really interesting that it doesn't matter who you are or what you know whether you're on the spectrum or not or whether you're i hate this word but like neurotypical or not neurotypical there's an inherent like inbuilt desire to feel connected to people on a romantic level for for a num- for a lot of people i would say that's true and yet you're born with it right and then you get to a certain age and it kicks in it's not like you needed an intimate love when you were a child you didn't need it when you were a teenager and yet when you hit adulthood you have a need for it and not everyone is lucky enough to find that especially in the world that we live in now where it's all about work you don't have time to connect with people you don't have time to meet people it's weird to strike up a conversation with someone on the train without being called a freaking weirdo you know everyone's connected to their devices we're completely like disconnected from the world around us or from having you know decent you know meaningful conversations and so when you have that need for intimacy for love for connection and there's no outlet for it sometimes masturbation is a means to an end i'm not necessarily saying that i agree with it but it's there as an outlet and you know sometimes it's better than what people may or may not do if they don't have that outlet but um i actually read an interesting article um the other day which talked about intimacy and communication and there was a link between the five levels of communication and emotional and physical intimacy and they said that the problem with the world that we live in now is that we typically give ourselves up for sex at the first level of communication which is hi how are you how's the weather oh yeah good and they said that is the most basic form of communication and the second level is oh hey do you want to grab lunch oh yeah that sounds great let's go and the third level is oh like um i've got plans to do this in the future you know i think you know you and i you like i want to do this this is what i really want to do the fourth level is you start to share your opinions about things you know like oh my opinion about this is that what's your opinion about this and the fifth level is i see my life going this in this direction these are my fears these are my hopes these are my dreams this is what i think i need to do to realize my potential and when you're having these deep and meaningful conversations and you're creating that open communication you're actually creating a healthy environment for emotional and physical intimacy and they say that when you hit that level 5 communication that's when you should be intimate but people are you know jumping the gun and they're doing it at level 1 or even before that you know hey how are you in a club grinding up against someone hey you're hot and like you know they're in a the marathon you know by <laughs> by the end of the night and they're waking up going what have i done i made a horrible mistake um but you know like on on the point of this this world that we're living in and the way that it is it's all about the fast means to an end right it's all about how do we get there in the quickest way possible how do i make the most money quickly how do i scratch my sexual itch quickly how do i make friends quickly how do i get a date quickly i'll go on tinder i'll swipe 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 like you're not actually fostering any healthy you know uh yeah you're not right so it's all about this fast fashion for example right it's all about things quicker fast food mcdonald's gives you your food for free if that you don't get it in 3 minutes right it's like we're so trained now to everything being quick and meaningless the quicker something else is the more meaningless it becomes right 
you think of uh, artists it will take them years to paint a portrait you know some of da vinci's best work took him five six seven years to create even longer right and now you have oh yeah i'll just go on photoshop i'll spend five minutes on this and you know all good i'm not saying there's no artistry to that but it's not the same because we're so used to consumerism we're so used to things being quick and so i'm just going to finish my this is going to finish my point and when you think of like for example you were saying like i need to be 19 and own five properties but the question is, and I always ask people, but why? But why do you need five properties? But why can't you be happy at one? It's like, and are you, it's like, oh, I've got five properties and I've got two dogs and I've got three investment properties overseas and I holidayed, holidayed in Lake Como and I have sex five times a week. It's like, okay, but are you happy? No. And it's like, clearly that is not the meaning to life then. Exactly. You've ticked the metrics, but you're not truly happy. So is that really the meaning is that the meaning of life well clearly not because you're still unhappy yeah i just want to quickly cl clarify something so what I, what I was trying to also say and i probably came across as a bit too aggressive and too harsh i feel like what what the modern world does is see this like what i'm saying like you're outsourcing everything like i'm not saying i'm not judging people about masturbation or pornography and all, and all of that stuff to each their own what i'm saying is see that 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 drive that energy that makes you want to do those things see it's getting depleted and wasted in a frivolous thing because when people go into like Pornhub or whatever you actually think you're with a real woman or a real man or, or whatever you're not but you're desensitized but like you've tricked your brain into believing that you've achieved an outcome because your body naturally when it feels in a particular feels a particular way and this and there's this energy and this build up is saying to you get up and do something about it go and meet people go and talk to people go and develop these deep kind of connections and intimacies right instead like the modern world is tricked you because they all they want you to do is grind at work and blah 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 and you know you don't have the time to really foster relationships you don't really have the time to develop these these connections they're so saying okay you've got five minutes go into a you know a cubicle and do what you have to do and get it out of your system and that that energy that life force you know and this is where spirituality comes in it's it i, th I can't remember it was in buddhism or some other religion it's saying that seed that and it's so that life is they call it actually life force it's so important Why because the chi it's so important because it motivates you to get up and achieve and do and build and construct and think i just wanted to quickly step in it's interesting like i don't know if you guys or well, i don't know most of you who are listening but um so there was this trend where a lot of people who watched Wolf of Wall Street, they saw, is it Matthew McConaughey? He has this scene in Wolf of Wall Street where he asks Gordon, is it not Gordon, is it Gordon Gecko? Anyway, he asks Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like, so, you know, he's like, how many times are you, you know, uh, basically masturbating, right? And he's like, I can't remember, it's like two to three times. And he's like, those are rookie numbers. He's like, you gotta, you gotta step it up. And then he does this chant where he's just like, mm -hmm, and he's beating on his chest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then like the, the point, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I also heard it recently, like last week, and it was a really young person. And I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing because they've actually glorified um, and there's a lot of young guys out there who really like look up to like Wolf of Wall Street. And so they think because in, in the movie, from what I remember, Matthew McConaughey is like, you know, it, 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 you need to do it because it clears your mind and it de-stresses you and all this stuff. Right. And it's funny because like, again, they've glorified it. 
and then you have these young guys doing the and i i actually actually think i also saw it in tiktok where the girls were just like talking about the ick when they get the ick and the ick is like basically when a girl like the guy does something and the girl like hates it so much that she no longer like loves the guy so for example he could um maybe run in a funny way and the girl all of a sudden has the ick and it's like oh i don't like him anymore like he runs funny right so one of the like on one of the lists that the girl was talking about like, in terms of her ex because she's like in terms of all the dating that she's done she's like it's the guys when they bring up that scene they do that chant they do the and that's from that that scene where you know and i just thought it was really funny um and again it just shows you also like how a lot of pop culture glorifies that behavior makes it seem as if it's funny as if you should be doing it as if it's cool without like you know the person realizing on on you know uh, at a deeper level it's like well what is the consequence like you said of that right so that's energy that you're transmutating into something which is really pointless right because you know like at the end of the day um product reproduction serves a purpose right so when you spill your seed you know to say metaphorically you're one also like wasting what your body has spent physiologically all that time and effort trying to you know which can create human life, right? Um, like you've just you've just spilt it, and like I think from what, from what I remember, like seeing a piece and some, uh, I read, it's like evolutionary. Also, like that triggers a negative reaction in your brain because um, you basically didn't have an intimate connection, and you're not reproducing another human being, and you've just wasted it. So your brain is just like makes a negative association. That's why a lot of um, young men, or even just men in general, they they say they feel especially with those who are addicted to have that as a toxic habit, they feel um, bad about it, you know, when, when they've done it. It's because your brain's telling you you've just wasted, like you said, this, this, this precious life force, you know, resource that, 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 it was, that you know, you've spent physiologically because, you know, you need the zinc, whatever, like your body needs to, to produce it. So, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting um, from that pop culture perspective. Yeah, and th- this is the thing uh, why I get worried, you know, because sometimes society is trying to normalize certain things that, you know, these 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 religions that have existed for for a very long time, sometimes thousands of years, doesn't matter. I'm talking about many different types of religions, and there's this these, these kind of kind of the wisdom behind a lot of these um, beliefs and traditions. It didn't develop like in a short span of time it developed developed over many 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 years and there's thousands of years but if not long who knows how long but i'm saying like there's a reason that they that these kind of these rules not these rules but these beliefs exist right it's not because you know what really what really irritates me is like when people try to say oh religion is a form of mind control yeah i'm not going to say like people don't create religion um, to control others you know there's cults and all that stuff out there but kind of to like you know paint every religion with the same brush because a few strange weirdos you know kind of um, create their own warped version for power and manipulation and whatnot i mean it's 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 very very odd that you're going to write off something that's so important because you can go to the most remote isolated um, village in the world if, if I think only a few exist nowadays like in South America and the Amazon but they have some form of spiritual belief system and um, I think my only like concern with society like in terms of I know what argument you're going to go down is people going to be like 
well, that, those were the cavemen back in the days. Like, what did they know any better? Even these like old tribes in South America that still exist to this day, you know, like I, I, I think a lot of people are just going to be like, you know, we live in a modern society. We have science like we know all these things, you know, um, we don't have to think like the way of our forefathers and cavemen. But like, I feel like that's such an awesome, arrogant argument in the sense of, again, it comes back to Manny's earlier point, which is like, do you really have this assumption? Because even scientists acknowledge so many aspects of the, the world and the universe that we still don't even understand today. And stuff in the metaphysical world, I, I'm not professing that I'm a scientist who understand things very well, but like from the, in the quantum, physic, quantum physics, where you don't, they don't even understand why certain things happen and certain behaviors. Like from, from, from what I know, it's like there was a science experiment where the scientists were studying an atom, right? They, they basically somehow physically were able to observe an, the movement of an atom. And they noticed that um, when they weren't looking at the atom, it would behave in a very linear way, a very predictable way. But as soon as they, um, I think they were watching it on a, on a camera or they, a person steps in the room and watches the atom, the atom starts to behave differently. And they were just... The other way around. Is it the other way around? Yeah. So when, when they're looking at it in the camera... So it was actually the other way around. So when they were watching, again, I don't know how it worked, but I'm, I'm trying to remember when they were looking at the atom, um, it would behave in a very linear, linear kind of predictable way. And then as soon as they weirdly enough stopped watching the atom, um, it started behaving in very bizarre ways. It would almost split in, split itself or something like, I, I mean, we'll find it. We're going to get our INTJ to, to fact check. So my brother's saying it's called the God particle. But like the point I'm trying to make is like there's just so many like like the scientists couldn't explain that behavior. Right. And then there's this position where there's a certain section of the community where it's just like, no, everything can be explained by scientists. But here you have the scientists saying we don't even really understand what this is and why this is happening. Right. And then on top of that, like there's this there's a secondary argument like which which I subscribe to, which is. Are you really telling me that we have everything the way it is today because of a series of coincidences that just so happen to hit the right equation in terms of, you know, like, um, I don't know really how to describe it. Like everything happened in such perfection that it just so happened that we have mountains and dirt or soil and sunlight. And it's, it, it's just, it weirds me out like that people can, can be so... Um, I feel like it's a sense it's a point it's a position of arrogance to, to make this assumption that there's everything can be explained right and then like from what I, there's other thing that also resonated with me in in law school oh you've got a point yeah i'll just quickly read out the um the what i found and this again goes back to the god particle so they said um in a study reported in the february 26th issue of nature magazine which apparently is a very renowned scientific magazine Researchers at the Wiseman Institute of Science have now conducted a highly controlled experiment demonstrating how a beam of electrons is affected by the act of being observed. The experiment revealed that the greater the amount of watching, quotation marks, the greater the observer's influence on what actually takes place. Um, I thought, yeah, that's, I'll leave it at that. Well, actually, I can add on to it. So when a quantum observer is watching quantum mechanics, states that particles can also behave as waves. This can be true for electrons at the semicron level. So look, it gets very technical, but um, I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, I mean, do as always, do your own research. We're not, again, professing to be experts in any field here. But like, I just wanted to make that point about, you know, 
I, I can't even remember like where, what I was trying to link it back to. But look, the point stands here. There's more than we can explain. Yeah, there is definitely a lot more to the world that we can't explain through science. And yeah, there's a, there's a, there is a belief system that you just have to rely on in terms of, like you said, Sam, like, you know, for thousands and th you've had civilizations for thousands and thousands of years. And you have civilizations that have built, you know, very interesting structures like the pyramids, you know, like the Aztecs. Like they're not, these are not um, simple, you know, people, primitive people. Like there is, there is a lot going on there that we don't understand. And I think it's a, it's a very dismissive, it's very dismissive um, and reductive to just assume that these are basic individuals and cavemen to label them, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because till this day we still don't even understand, you know, how the pyramids were, were were built, right? And I'm sure there are plenty of other like interesting phenomenons in in society. Yeah, for example, so the pyramids being one of them. In Ethiopia, there's a series of churches that were somehow built from stone, but they built it from the um, from the ground and they went down, mm -hmm. and it's so precise the way they've cut through the stone, and you know they didn't have these kind of um, the right tools to cut through stone that's so incredibly difficult and i think i remember in, even in within jordan with petra they're still trying to work out how the treasury was kind of cut into the mountain face and with this with such level of accuracy that now in the modern world to do such a thing you need like lasers and and precision equipment and whatnot and there's there's other things like stonehenge they don't understand how these massive stone structures were kind of put together with with the equipment that they had at the time so the world is inherently more complex than we like to accept but i feel like in the modern world we've got to a point of arrogance where we think we know everything you know even though when you look at the earth relative to the entire universe it's such a, as as was pointing out such a very small almost insignificant part and yet we go to ourselves behold how great we are and our amazingness so just on eli's <coughs> point of there being so much in the world that we don't understand. I was actually watching, I'm a bit weird, like I start to deep dive into things, it's just part of my personality. I don't know, something wrong with me. Anyway, but I was watching um, a few videos about these ancient structures and why they were created and what the purpose is and whether or not anyone's kind of like understood what, you know, why, why they're there. And one of the most interesting structures is actually located in Mexico. It's called Teotihuacan, probably pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> um, but it's basically, it's a Mesoamerican pyramid and it was built by the pre-Columbian Americans. And it was built in around uh, 1 AD to 500 AD. No one knows why. And they're still standing there today. And apparently um, archaeologists found traces of human, first ever recorded human sacrifices in those pyramids. And apparently when the Aztecs came around thousands of years later, they saw the, they crossed into like this area. It's actually located in the Valley of Mexico. Um, the, the Aztecs actually came in and they fled because they were so scared and they were like, why is this here? What does this mean? Who built these pyramids? Who are these people? And um, you think of the Aztecs, right? I mean, now we study the Aztecs in school and we don't know who the hell they were or like what they were creating or what they built or whatever. And here are the Aztecs thousands of years before looking at another structure that was built thousands of years before them going, oh my God, I'm so scared. How did they build this? What is the purpose? What happened to you? Who are these people? What did they worship? And so you think to yourself, it doesn't matter how many 
people like you know you know uh eras of people come and go right you know you probably have another era of humans well after us who look at us and go but what was the point of all of this what was the purpose of these people Mm. and what and what do we have we have nothing to go by we have no records we have no nothing and they'll look back and they'll study us and say oh you know back in 2020 or 2022 there were a group of people who basically you know were very strange corporate you know they went to their jobs they went to these very big glass towers and sat there for prolonged periods of time and and to entered uh, words on a thing called a keyboard you know and printed documents out on very large and noisy machines called printers and oh let's study this in school and when you but when you think of us being studied in the future it's, it's always been a thought that actually scares me it's like what will be what will, what what is our legacy what will be, what will we be known as what do we leave behind what is our mark on the world is it anything of significance and how do we record that in a meaningful way very interesting point and before we wrap this up i just wanted to end it with something that i heard which i thought was very interesting and it's about this argument that we actually live in a simulation i don't know if you guys have heard of it but it's the 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 um the what's the word i'm starting to forget things but the the thought pattern here is so there are cars that drive i mean there are obviously there are vehicles cars that drive on the road right and you, you just think about your car like in terms of its size and its shape and you imagine you're just sitting in there and you're like well you know if i wanted to cross to the passenger side there's not really much space between the driver's side and the passenger side. But yeah, on the same road, we have buses, right? That share the same road. Yet the buses have aisles in them, right? And they have two seats, two seats on each side usually, right? And yet the bus appears to be, in, when you go inside the bus, larger than the car. They're like, so tell me, how does that work? How does a car which shares the same road as the bus, so two similar, you know, I mean... These are two vehicles, yet when you go inside of them, it's the, the, the space is so different, right? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because this girl was like using this thought pattern to basically explain the logic that we must be living in a simulation because this makes no sense. Mm. So interesting point again. And back when I was a teenager, uh, my stepmom had purchased a very strange book, which you put in the bathroom for some light reading it's very unhygienic now that I think of it but anyway put fecal fecal particles to one side the book was actually written by a uh, psychologist called Louise um, Hay and her theory was the book was about disease right and she said that every disease is actually based on what's within us which is dis-ease if you actually break the word up but putting that putting that to one side one of the most interesting points in the book was that she said that you choose your parents before you are born. And there are actually a lot of religious uh, theories about this as well in multiple religions which say that you exist before you physically exist in this world and you are basically, you, you are asked by God, do you want to come to this world? And you say yes. And then when you come to the world, your memory of you saying yes is erased. And so when you talk about the matrix, I've always thought about it. You know, when you dream at night, is it really a dream or is it just another reality? Are we, when, when we're sleeping and we dream, is that actually our reality? 
are we living that out and is our wake like our, our awake state the, the falseness but i'm just going to finish my point before i pass it on to eli but interestingly enough when we die well muslims anyway believe that when we die the earth crumbles into dust and time no longer exists which is why judgment day is technically a day but not really a day but basically it's almost like the simulation is broken right everything crumbles and then we go back to our previous state of when we were first asked do you do, do you want to exist do you want to be here and so on your point i, I live my life as this tree might not be real you know this person i'm talking to might not be real my reality my existence might actually not be real so what's it all for i don't know why but that really scared me because because um, i read something very interesting and it was about basically that on your point that i don't even know how to begin to describe this but the fact that you said you get asked the question whether or not you want to come down to this world right and you choose your you but also you choose your parents you choose your family and also the other people so um i didn't i didn't know how like we don't have much time to get into this and to start this conversation but that really scared me that you actually brought this up because i amani is a person of um logic also very analytical you know, so if, if she approaches something from, from a spiritual point of view or esoteric point of view, that's a, for me, at least I take it as a big deal because she's not one to just like easily believe, um, you know, something like, yes, this the spiritual thing here. She needs like concrete facts and logic, right? So I just thought it was interesting that she raised that because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you're also familiar with like um, karma, and the idea that, you know, certain times, like, you ask yourself in life, like, well, why are these bad things happening to me? Or, like, what, you know, why did I end up, like, meeting this person, like, or having these parents or whatever? Sometimes there are things called, like, karmics, right? So you have a karmic debt. So you make a contract, basically, they say a soul contract before your soul comes to earth. And basically, in that soul contract, you say, I choose to have these experiences in this hard life with these karmics, they live out these karmic patterns or this karmic debt, which is basically very hard lessons you learn in life, right? Because it's going to force you to grow, spiritually grow as an individual because sometimes you might think to yourself, there are certain people out there, like, why am I such a deep thinker? Like, why are these things happening? It's like, there's an argument that, well, you chose that because you didn't want to be a basic person. You know, you didn't just want to, you know, I think it's the blue pill. You didn't just want to live life like, you know, la, 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 la. Like I made toast today. I put Vegemite on it. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to come back. I'm going to watch maths, like all that stuff. Right. So it's just like, you you know, you're an individual just sits there. And it's just like, you're thinking deeply. You're thinking, um, you know, how do I improve as an individual? How do I grow as an individual? Um, and it's not to say that there's only like, you know, in this, in this theory, like just karmics, but there's also individuals that, you know, they call, for example, you know, you, when the word soulmate, right? So it's, it's, an, it's another soul that you are familiar with in, in, you know, before you came down here. It's just like you made a deal. It's like when I come down here, like um, I know you because like, you know, you instantly recognize that person. It's like, how, how do I know you? Like you just seem familiar because, you know, um, your souls have met before. And then, you know, we might get into discussion in a later podcast, you know, and the ultimate 
connection you can have is your twin flame, which not everyone has a twin flame. And your twin flame is this um, is the same. I think it's the same soul split into two. So you're the same person, and that's one of the most difficult um, relation. relation. Well, not relationship, but like trials you go through life, and that's a, a contract and agreement you make. And your your twin flame is your ultimate connection, right? Um, and what I wanted to say is not, not everyone has a twin flame, by the way. So it's it's just very it's a very very interesting concept. Um, and like I've just seen the different interpretations from in terms of the monotheistic faith around this whole soulmates, twin flames, etc. Like their perspectives on it because like we're we're Muslim, right, guys? So um, I know from and I, I like I don't know like if this is like highly credible, but there is apparently like a narration about um, that the the souls or there's a verse in the Quran that the souls actually meet before they come down to earth um, and they make like an agreement like that you recognize one another um, and then there's a whole interesting argument about Adam and Eve because you God, know God says, and, I created you and God does say I and I created you in pairs you're right so but there's also the Adam and Eve concept like you know which is like Eve came from the rib of Adam so it's like same like it's basically same person split into two you know what I mean I don't know there's just a it's a very interesting sp- deep deep space not everyone's going to resonate or you know um connect with it yeah so guys look i know we went over time and i'm going to wrap it up but i think that we're going to have to continue this conversation because obviously we, we can't kind of gather all our thoughts and really articulate everything in an hour and a half it's very very difficult but what we're trying to say is and we didn't we didn't actually answer the question what is the purpose of life that's up to you to decide i think at the end of the day and in, in your belief system you know if, if your view the purpose of life is for you to basically wake up in the morning make toast you know wear, put your your suit on to work and then just kind of punch a few numbers in the, in the in the computer and then go back home and then have dinner and sleep and then you know look forward to the weekend look that's fine i'm not, I'm not trying to even belittle or be smug about this but what we're trying to say is like i think we have to be very 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 careful because we're being heavily distracted right we're not like if you go back in time these these really deep these philosophers that existed and they weren't like few like a lot of people probably were quite profound and they're looking up into the stars and wondering what's out there and what's the why we here and all of that nowadays we're so heavily distracted you know listen to the lyrics in music and songs you know they're like drugs alcohol sex this blah 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 you know like even the music really like nowadays i know like every generation has its has its point where like well music now isn't what it used to be blah 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 but seriously whatever music is now like i think my wife had me listening to a song recently and i can't remember who the artist was but it was the strangest song and the guy literally was singing about like yeah but i was like just like it was weird it was just like like um bling and grinding against women and like or drugs whatever it it made it literally it it made no sense whatsoever anyway what i'm trying to say is we encourage people to think a bit more deeply we're not saying don't enjoy the world don't enjoy life we're just saying maybe ask these questions ot genesis Genesis, it's called but anyway, look, it was really, it was re- this was a really thought-provoking conversation. Hopefully, we've um, we've maybe you know opened up the um, the conversation for others out there, and we really look forward to your feedback. And um, we really appreciate having um, Amani join us in this conversation. 
So I'm just going to let Amani say a, a few parting words. And this is me signing off officially, Sam, Amani. I just want to say thank you guys for having me on the podcast, even though I live in the same house <laughs> and I hear every single podcast in the making. It's very different being behind a microphone. Um, and for an introvert, <laughs> um, it's it really pushed me out of my comfort zone, but it was really good, you know, sharing ideas and you know going diving deep because i mean i i love that you guys know that i love that and just thank you again for having me it was it was a great experience i'm going to pass on to eli now thanks again yeah we definitely loved having you here Amani. um i was actually thinking throughout the conversation just listening to you speak perhaps we should call this two twins and a girl <laughs> um i think what i really liked about amani's presence in this conversation is just the depth that she could bring in terms of just the facts that uh, she is different in terms of the way she thinks to us because she is able to bring granularity and detail whereas i guess sam and i can be a bit more high level we operate from our belief system so it's it's, it's a nice compliment and a balance um i really really respect that i really like that um, yeah, I definitely would like to see, I mean, it's up to us, but, like, but yeah, if Amani can, um, I hope she, she'll agree to participate in, in future. She's saying she's busy, but you know, I know she loves it, but yeah, if she, I, I really look forward to future podcasts with, um, Amani present with us and we're going to try bringing in more guest speakers going forward. So we've got a few people lined up that we have also promised to bring onto the podcast and, yeah, so stay tuned, guys. Um, we'll have some different personalities mixed into this podcast coming soon. And we just want to wish you a great start to the week. And this is us signing off. <laughs>